y'all. Welcome back to the Junto Show. I am Johnny Wynn, the founder of the Venture Out. And Bobo, Pladit Amici, comedian, Benita Est. Ah, yes. <laughs> A good quote. And I'm Lance. And I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is that that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the past few years. It has failed to hear the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. It has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Says Lance. Oh, and also <laughs> my good friend Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have wrote that though. Like if I really sat down, oh, put my clearly. mind to it, clearly. I probably would have said Negro. <laughs> oh, you probably have to yeah. keep it within 140 characters, but yes. It's a 280 now. They they upped what? it. <laughs> yeah, where have I been? Okay. I know. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Hey, yeah. well, hey, everybody. The Junto Show is back. Happy to have our listeners back with us. Happy to have my man Johnny, my man Bo, back in the booth. How's everybody doing? Doing all right. I am the situation. talking over Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Bo. What's going okay. on in your world? Uh, um, I'm fine. Everything is good. Just, uh, you know, keeping healthy and um, safe. That's about it. All right, that's all. That's what I want for you. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that, Johnny. You safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty safe. I'd say. You know, they got a little COVID thing going on, obviously, and then um, uh, the protests across the country and such, and just yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. But yeah, just kind of hope. Yeah. To, it's like, can we? Can we? finish dealing with the global pandemic before we have to deal with the societal ills of several hundred years or rather can we deal with the societal ills of several hundred years before we have to deal with the global pandemic i feel like two at once is kind of like it's a bit much you know it's a bit much but maybe that's what it needs you know maybe that's what this country needs like any one thing won't be enough to push people over the edge towards real radical change so yeah, let's throw two things. Let's throw three things in there. Let's throw a whole bunch of things yeah. in there. And let's see what pops out of the other end, okay? Uh, nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> I think a little revolution isn't too bad, you know? I think this is about as close to revolution as America gets. Like, um, so, so I think, and this is not the show yet, but I think part of the reason why there's so many people in the streets is because of the 40 million people on unemployment. And the oh, yeah. news of the disproportionate effects of mm-hmm. uh, the coronavirus and basically everything else, it like reached a tipping point. And people, so like uh, in France and Russia, when inequality got to be insane in the in the in the people, the proletariat decided to rise up. There was executions in the streets, and they you know raided the rich people and brought the guillotine. In America, we hit the streets. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say that France was necessarily a whole lot better for afterwards, but they're doing pretty good now, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah yada yada, they got the health insurance. Two hundred years later, yada yadas. I was listening to a uh, Tim Ferriss episode that was interviewing Kevin Hart, and you know Hart was saying how he's such a student of history, which you know I don't know is really resonating right now. He's just like. Like every day is a day in history, but like, holy crap, this year 2020, global pandemic shuts down the whole world. And now the protests affecting every corner of the world as well, not just the United States, but around the world. It's just like, wow, holy crap, like this is the kind of stuff that, you know, this is history right here that we are witnessing. 
it's a weird, a weird little tick about me. So one, I'm super curious as to what the history books will say about any event that happens, like in, in the present. You know, I'm super curious about that. And the little thing about me, you may or may not know, if I come across a history book, like a like a textbook, I will read it. Like there was one in the Airbnb that that uh, I was at a little while ago, and like I sat down for like an hour and a half and just read the the text the history book. Hmm? It was in Texas somewhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm super curious about it. If I find out your kids in school, I will ask to see their history book. Because I really am curious to see how it's yeah. like Obama is covered in a history book, you know? Well, that, that's also another sign, by the way, that you are getting old, Lance. Uh, it's, yeah, one of many. That and my back are two clear signs of uh, me, me aging. What's wrong with your back? It's, it's old. It's a, the, the back of a man who is my age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Like Whatever I, that age may be. <laughs> like, I hear a lot of people talk about, it, like, the bad back, like, usually much older people. They're like, it sounds painful. Like, you wake up one day and all of a sudden you slip wrong, you can't get out of bed anymore. Like, holy, that sounds horrible. So, I'm hoping to avoid that in my life. So far, so does, good. It's not, it, my back doesn't hurt. It's just never right. It's just, it's like always, it's like, you should stretch more. It's, my back is always telling me, hey, stretch me out a little bit more. But, like, 20 hours a day. So I, I don't want to be like, oh, I have sciatica or I'm one of these yeah, people yeah, that yeah. is in pain. It's just it's just never good. It's never horrible, never bad. It's never good either, though. Which yeah. uh, I take. I don't know. I'm gonna be one of those people in like two or three years. I'll be like hobbled over. Yeah. Not be able to do anything. I know I'm on that path. Well, what work can I do? Something. Right. <laughs> Stretch. Nah, just let's just keep <laughs> roll those dice. Yep. All right, let me go ahead and introduce the show. Hey, this is the Junto Show, and the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. The purpose of the Junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show is not quite that stuffy, but here and there, we stumble upon something profound, profound. between the geeky jokes. All right, so today is Thursday, June 4th, 2020? Is that the year? <laughs> Does it matter? I don't know. It all runs. Yeah, exactly. It all runs together. So yeah. So uh, glad we got that talk out the way. Anything else you guys want to uh, hash out before we get into the first segment? I I do have uh, two things. Uh, one is, of course, uh, I'd be a failure to not mention that there is a premium episode of the Junto Show out there for you all listeners. If you're liking what you're hearing, but you just wish we were just a bit more raw, a little bit more edgy. Go check out patreon.com slash junto show where you can support us for as little as a buck or two. Uh, give us some funds to help do the thing we love to do, which is this show right here. And you'll be rewarded with a exclusive premium episode of a too hot to handle topic. And in the premium episode that accompanies this episode, what was the topic that we covered, Johnny? Uh, Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> yeah, Silver Sizzle. <laughs> Uh, I think we, we, in actuality, we talked about the the possibility and consequences of President Trump enacting or ordering the military into the streets of the states in accordance with the Insurrection Act of 1807. Boom, there you go. And, you know, obviously to uh, help out the protesters who were out there seeking truth and justice. Obviously. For, he, would for done, he would have done the same thing if these were white protesters. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, it's not like we have evidence from like a week ago yeah. of armed white protesters <laughs> yeah. storming the state capitals right. of various states, right. not being met with police force right. or the army at all. All right, it, you it, know that, that would be wild. That it, would. It's not like it would be so obvious what's yeah. really at, you know, yeah. the consequences and the yeah. stakes of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the people's belief systems that. Yeah. There, One I mean, group of armed protesters would be treated better than harmless people who would have no weapons. You yeah, know, well, let's just be clear. It's. It's not like there's good people on both sides. Clearly, it's all bad people here, so that's why. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Clear. Clear as mud. Got it. Well, I think with that, I think that's a, the best lead-in I can think of for our first segment, Hot Take News. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. All right, gang. So, uh, as we all know, uh, we're still dealing with the effects of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, but a new... Uh, but old. Oh, there, there you go. A new but old pandemic 
has uh, reared its head in America. The pandemic of Gonorrhea. police brutality and rape. And what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Ebola. No, no, no Ebola. More likely, it's the people who were still tendering in the, the pandemic. Like, you're, that person out there, if you're still getting a, a, a hit on Tinder, that person definitely has something. And now you do too. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but in all, in all seriousness, though, uh, yeah, so we have to, to talk about the hundreds of thousands of people that are in the streets of basically every state in the union uh, protesting uh, police brutality and general injustices in the system uh, from the death of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. It's a lot of stuff. So uh, the news of the day is that yesterday we saw that um, even though Officer Chauvin, the guy who actually had his knee on um, George Floyd's neck, got arrested a while back, the other three officers who were just standing around aiding and abetting, and actually, I don't know if you guys saw this in another video, seen uh, helping that uh, the killer cop like beat up George Floyd, they, they all got arrested. Or at the very least, they, I don't know if they got arrested, actually, but they will face charges of, uh, what is it, of aiding and abetting a second-degree murder. And the officer himself, the main dude, he got his charges bumped up from third-degree murder to second-degree murder. And I'm like, mm. I personally think that what actually happened was second-degree murder, but I was on a jury where a, an officer was charged with, or we had the opportunity to hear a case about an officer involved shooting, and I'll say that that experience really let me know how difficult it is to get certain people to admit wrongdoing on behalf of the police. So I think that like upping the charges against the, uh, the police officer, like setting the bar for conviction higher makes us all feel good, but drastically lowers the chance that a conviction will be met at trial. So, But those other charges are still there. So even though the charges were increased a second, the third degree, I think, is also there, though. I think manslaughter still is. I don't know about the third degree. I don't know if you can be charged with third and second degree at the same time. Yeah, I, but the manslaughter is still there. I don't know. Like, like you're you're talking about that stuff. It reminds me of a quick segue story where I was early in my career. I was pitching a very big presentation I had worked on to the big big boss in the organization. Right. So here's my time to shine. I pitched this presentation. And at the end of it, the big decider boss dude was like, you know, thinking and pondering. And he was like, well, that was underwhelming. Ah, nice. Yeah. So that's what I feel like this whole thing is like the news comes out, the charges are levied against the other three cops. I'm like, I'm underwhelmed here. Come on. Like, it seems so little, so late. And it feels like it's almost only it, it is only happening probably because of the protests and stuff. If it wasn't going on, those three cops would be fine, you know. So it's like it, it it seems too much like a appeasing the protests, appeasing the people when just do the right thing. This is all we're all asking for, right? Like just do the right thing, be equal and doling out this stuff. So I don't know. But would the right so, thing be? Are you saying the right thing isn't what's happening? Or you're saying that well, the, the right thing is only happening because of the unrest and the protests. The right thing is only happening because of the protests. And oh, this yeah, right, that, yeah. And this right thing is happening way too late. Hmm? Yeah, all this stuff should have been like, happening the day of, practically. And it took this much to get three cops, wherever charges those were. Like, I don't know. With video evidence, right? Like Underwhelmed, I say. It's like, so... How is what they did bad enough to be fired? So, like, if they if you can fire them for them, then then you believe that they did it, whatever the thing was. And so, like, at, at that point, we are admitting that they yeah. basically did something. Yeah. And if the thing that, that they did that was fireable is basically the same thing that you're charging them with, then they should have gotten charged much earlier. Well, and maybe there's some process by which you, you have to adjudicate it differently. But I'm like, if you fired them, they should have got yeah. uh, uh, charged pretty much right then, too. I, I, I just listened to a, a, a great uh, uh, segment by Trevor Noah where he was breaking down this whole thing in his philosophy and in his worldview. And, like, with with those three cops or four cops or whatever, like, 
they were fired for murdering. Oh, like, yeah, right? <laughs> like, in what, in what world is that, like, you just murder somebody? All right, you're fired from your job. Like, what? Like, like it's just mind-boggling when you put it in that context. So, yeah, so it's kind of like, it, it It definitely feels like you're these people are, are just appeasing the crowd because of that. We're like, no, firing, not good enough? No, okay, 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 okay. I'll raise the stakes. I'll charge them with something small. No, still not good enough? All right, all right. I'll keep increasing it. Like, no, just do the right thing. Yeah, I wholeheartedly, in my, in, and it's shown, been shown, you know, way too many times that if there isn't sufficient pressure put on the DAs or the, the attorneys or the police departments, that these things will just be handled at, with the least amount of consequences allowable yeah. by the people. Yeah. You know, like it, it took um, months for Zimmerman to get arrested when Trayvon Martin got killed. Like it took the video coming out of Ahmed Arbery mm-hmm. getting killed for like anything that happened there. And it, it, the funny part about not funny, but the messed up part about that is the video of Ahmed Arbery, the jogger in Georgia. That video was released to exonerate the guys who who, who shot Ahmed Arbery. Like the guy that had that video thought that it would make them look more innocent. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, hell no. And so, and that's what happened with that. It was only after lots of public pressure because those dudes were already sitting around for like two months yeah. without being charged before public outcry happened. So, when people are like, "Oh, what's the point of the protests and whatnot?" It's like it's the the only real way to get justice, and it sucks that we have to mobilize tens of thousands of people for one dude to get justice. You know, when it's hundreds of cases, thousands of cases. So, I I like to get uh, your two's opinion on this here. The, this piece has baffled me which is you, you protest for an end result mm-hmm. right and i understand what the uh maybe i don't know if i necessarily agree with that but go on for some sort of change or something right you you want to see some some sort of effect happen from this protest um and i understand the vision or the overarching goal of this protest which is like equality fairness no racism you know what is that i don't even think it's that far Go on, though. But what does that look like in concrete things and paper? You know, like I'm thinking like, okay, if you're fine for unequal wages, then okay, set a law that sets uh, equal wages. If you're fighting for minimum wage, okay, we want minimum wage to be 15 bucks an hour. Like what is a concrete thing here? And that's what I'm failing to see, which is like, okay, so we want equality. What does that look like? Do we want Congress to pass some sort of updated Civil Rights Act? Do we want states to pass something do we want cops to be you know like what is this thing to show that the very concrete things has taken steps and we are now structurally changed so so it's a you bring up an excellent point and it's it's a, it's tough on the one hand because there is not like a leader of the movement um, there's lots, it's really disparate. Like there's campaign zero that has one set of goals that I think is good. The ACLU has a set of goals. Black lives matter has a certain set of goals and they're, they dovetail, but they're different in different ways. And, um, but I think by and large, the, the overall like main thing that the movement for black lives is asking for is basically like it's, it's justice. And, and that justice looks two different ways. It looks like one, less police violence or less state violence in, uh, inflicted upon the people or, or equal amount. I just think we'd like to say, stop killing us. And if you do kill us, face consequences. And it's like, it's not even asking for um, equality necessarily. It's just like, hey, if you do kill us, get in trouble for it. And right, then right, right. there's an objection to that, to even asking for that, that yeah. little bit of, of, of justice. But that right there, I would chalk up to the visionary statement of that's where we want to be for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I'm a protester out there with my sign, right. Or, or doing my thing, right. I'm protesting out there. How will I know when it's, when I've, when we've achieved our goal and I, and I should go home and rest up, you know, usually uh, again, it's when I see a law passed or I see something happen, but how will I know that the stuff that you just said is like, takes time it takes trends to show that the data points and the curves and the sentencing and the arrest rates and all this stuff has changed 
Like, yeah. So, in preparation for this, you know, I th- I've been thinking about this really hard, and and so I was like, okay, so for the audience and for people who haven't thought about this very much, like, what would be the actual concrete thing that is attainable? Like, what would have the most effect? And the answer I came up with, and you know, and based on research from other people and scholars and whatnot, is the the number one obstacle to the two criteria for justice I mentioned, the accountability and proper behavior. The, 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 the most blatant number one thing I can think of is the police union contracts. Uh, that is the easiest to understand reason that the police get away with so much craziness. So a study said between 1996 and 2015, newly unionized, you know, police unions, and I'm really, I'm for unions in general, but these police unions are wild. Newly unionized agencies saw a 27% uptick in misconduct complaints, a phenomenon that they largely tied to protections afforded by the new union contracts. And so like these new, these police union contracts, they have some wild provisions that lead to perverse outcomes. For example, uh, in Chicago, after the 2014 killing of a 17-year-old Laquan McDonald, by Officer Jason Van Dyke. Before that fatal incident, Officer Van Dyke had been the subject of 20 civilian complaints. 210, oh wait, excuse me, uh, 20 of which, uh, a lot of which alleged excessive use of force. But under the union rules that were in place, the complaints were toothless. Uh, Mayor Emanuel had a task force that um, said that the collective bargaining agreements between the unions in the city had basically turned the code of silence of the police into official policy in Baltimore, their contract uh, allows or even requires that police officers records of past disciplinary actions get, uh, get deleted after two years. Mm-hmm. So like, if you, you know, like you're, it's like, like nothing ever happened. So you can't amass a long record of police misconduct because it gets deleted every two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they also allow jobs. So like, and if you do face consequences in one city, you can just go to another city. Like the officers that uh, killed um, the little boy in Cleveland. Forgive me. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, they had, he had a whole bunch of use of force violations in some other city. And then he came to work in Cleveland and then ended up killing um, the little boy there. See, so, so that, that would be my chief complaint where whoever emerges as the leader for the protest, you know, like I see articles, I see all kinds of information about, Hey, learn more about what's going on. Go familiarize, familiarize yourself with these, um, nonprofits that you can donate to and such. Like, I want to see a list of these changes where, okay, in every state, go revisit these unions or go break up these unions. Uh, Congress, go pass a law that updates these things specifically like, you know, like, I, I want to see that list right there because then I would know what to write my representative about or what to ask my elected officials about for these actual concrete change besides, hey, be more fair or, hey, you know, use your cops correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, how do you legislate that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah so, so, go on. Well, maybe you know about this, Lance. This is some, some of a term I've heard and I don't know much about it. It's kind of cropped up this whole entire thing. Um, and I'm actually looking it up now since Johnny asked, but the term qualified immunity. Yeah. Um, you know, do you know much about that? And it's kind of like, it's what it is, is it's, it looks like it's like a legal doctrine that, you know, you're essentially like, if you're caught, there's some sort of immunity against you violating someone else's constitutional rights. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's like the enemy of the people. <laughs> Basically, it's like seeing it's not a good thing in the activist circles. I think it more or less says that like um, if somebody if you somebody dies, like while you're arresting them, minus like gross incompetence or having your knee on their neck for eight minutes. But even then, you know, it's still a question yeah. if they arrest, if they die in your content and it, like you pretty much it's a high bar to get you in trouble for it, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think it has something to do with like if they they raid a house and they they kill someone or something like that. And, you know, yeah, that's so sad. That's what happened to Breonna Taylor. So like they were serving a no knock warrant, right? So a no knock warrant 
and this was and like some huge percentage of them are for drug offenses. Like we we suspect you have weed in the house, so we get a no knock warrant. Basically, we can bust in your door and then arrest you. And then what keeps happening because this is America and everybody has guns is the police bust in your door, and then you shoot at them because you don't know it's the police versus crooks. And then when you shoot a cop, they either kill you or arrest you for shooting a cop. But it's like I thought I could protect, I can only protect my house. You know, if it's if it's not the police, like what is that? You know, yeah. and so basically, it's, it's it's wild. But the police broke in to Brianna Taylor's house, which is you know part of the reason why people are protesting. And uh, I think they they killed her and shot her her boyfriend, and he was shooting at them because he thought that there was a crook. And there's like, and the police didn't announce themselves. They were, I think, they were at the wrong house too. Like that yeah, happens at the wrong house. Yeah, happens in way too many cases. So the police are busting in the door at the wrong house, and then getting and then are arresting you if you shoot back for. Throw the criminal. Crazy. Also, yeah. I mean, it's not funny, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thing. So, I mean, probably those couple things, like, you know, you know, the, there has to be some sort of mechanism for, um, you know, some sort of uh, mechanism for punishment, right, for these things. Yeah. And then the problem, though, is obviously going to be state by state. It's not going to be federally mandated kind of thing, right? I think it should be, and, yeah, it won't be. Yeah, and so, you know, you'll see that some states are probably going to do better than others. You know, I don't, I, I actually haven't seen what states are doing better, but it seems like, you know, Atlanta's probably doing the best to kind of curb these things. At least that's kind of my temperature that you kind of hear in social media. You know, uh, Orlando is so-so. Um, Orlando has one of the most violent police departments in the country, believe it or not. Yeah, but, but as far as everything I've heard, it's kind of like, you know, I think that there's a whole lot of stuff kind of going on downtown, but it's it's it hasn't cropped up to like Tampa, you know, levels. Like that. Um, and so I guess I kind of, you know, I kind of sit there and wonder is like, you know, there's there's like a saying that you kind of hear in like college football kind of thing. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. You know what I mean? No, I don't. No, you lost it. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so what it, what it means is it doesn't matter what policies you have, right? It doesn't matter what you're in football. It doesn't matter your playbook. It doesn't matter how good your strategy is. It matters the people that are actually in the positions. Oh, no, that's completely wrong. I completely wholeheartedly disagree. I think okay. that the problem is the policies under which the people operate. If So it, it is, in fact, the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's if they know that the X's and O's won't give them any punishment for anything they do, then they have no reason to not to behave properly and relying. And it's been proven, I guess at this point that relying on the goodness of the hearts of the Jimmy's and Joe's uh, when the X's and O's don't restrain them is not good policy. So yeah, I think that the problem, like people say, Oh, it's a few bad apples. Nah, it's, it's the, 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 these contracts that say you can't be getting in trouble for doing anything, make people say, okay, well, if I report somebody for some misconduct, only thing that happens is that I get the, I'm, I'm a snitch now, and then all the police in my department hate me and look at me as an outsider. And then the dude I snitched on doesn't even get in trouble. So why would I report them? So we need to change the policies and the contracts instead of trying to rely on training the police officers to act better or community policing or whatever. It's, we need they need to be mandated by a policy and punishment. To say, hey, this is how you are expected to act. Otherwise, this will happen. Otherwise, it. I think it's been proven that the experiment we've run that relying on the goodness of their hearts is is not sufficient. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and like, so I don't. I don't mean to think that like doing training to someone to some people is going to make them a better person. I mean, get someone new in there. You know. So, this, so like to, to that to that end, like uh, how if you change the personnel, will it change things? So people are like, oh, okay, there's black cops. And um, uh, how come things don't get better? But it's like, uh, I read a study that said that, yes, black cops do help lower the racism levels of the police departments, but you need to have your police department be at least 37% black for it to uh, change the, the mindset of the police department much at all. All right. So uh, I think that's all the time that we have for the hot take news. <laughs> I think that that was a great segment. Uh, tough topic. I appreciate you guys giving us uh, the airing because we got to talk about the important things in society. And uh, we'll be back with our next segment after this. Bye. Hey, y'all. 
Welcome back to the next segment of the Junto Show. Bo, right. tell us a story. Ah, okay. So, so we were, we were talking about uh, the importance of knowing your significant other's name, right? And, <laughs> and, and their family and all this kind of stuff, right? And, it, and uh, you know, I'm pretty indifferent to it. I know Lance is, is very adamant. You have to know everybody's name. That's very, very important. It shows how much you care. But, you know, it, was, it reminds me of kind of a story I was uh, listening to and trying to I started kind of going down a rabbit hole of, of uh, Ulysses uh, Grant, right? <laughs> learning about him, that, right? And so his his name is his full name is actually Hiram Ulysses Grant. That's his. That's what his mother called him, right? And so when he went to Hiram? where does the S come from? <laughs> yeah. So so this is where the yes comes from. Yes comes from when he got went to West Point. Uh, I think it was West Point. They miss wrote his name into the thing and instead of actually being like, okay, no, my name is actually Hiram. He just said, okay, I'm Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> and so, so afterwards he is married to his wife and his wife asks him in a letter, his wife, where does the S come from? And she didn't even know. And he had to, you know, so he explains her, Oh, you know, it was just uh, a clerical error back when I was in West Point. And yeah. so, you know, you know, one of these historical figures, and they were like, you know, super lovey-dovey couple, at least according to the, the times. You could make the argument that he was never president then, right? Because if if the ballot for president said Ulysses S. Grant, and that person officially doesn't exist, then Hiram Ulysses Grant was not elected. This fake person Ulysses S. Grant was elected. Well, I mean, you know, he changed his name. He, like, oh, did he, oh, did, did he? Instead of instead of making the read of the paper, he just changed his name. Oh, okay. Uh, also, if he had kept his name as Hiram Ulysses Grant, his initials would be Hug. Yep, and that's what the guy was wrote <laughs> the book about. It. He was like, you know, and so he was teased about it so much as a kid. He just went by Ulysses. Did you read the Ulysses S. Grant book? No, I, I read I read uh, most of Grant's memoirs, and it's it's a it's a pretty good book. I didn't finish it. Though. I think the first half is pretty good. The second half started to get a little slow. Yeah, I like I like Ulysses S. Grant. I did read the book, uh, and I, I think he's a fascinating character in history. Uh, and uh, yeah, I like him. Also, yeah. alcohol problem is a uh, drunk beating these rebels, and I say, good for you, buddy. Party and whoop the <laughs> whoop the south. <laughs> yeah. Well, party. So that was my story. <laughs> great, great story. <laughs> All right, so I've got a couple of extra stories here from the the hot take news that I think we can uh, talk about here. Let's see what is the next topic. Oh, okay. So, um, as it stands now, we're in June, and we're still, even though it's not talked about as much, which I think is a strategy on the behalf of the administration, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. What? Yeah, I know, right? One that is highly transmissible and uh, pretty dangerous. So, um, what are you guys' thoughts about schools opening back up and colleges coming back and all that good stuff like that? Go for it. What? I like in person classes. You think for real? Well, I mean, I've, I've never been a fan of in person classes to begin with. So, uh, you know, like, you know, they, getting in person classes is not too not my thing. But I think that there's some things that you need to do in person, like labs and stuff like that. You know, I, I think you can do those pretty pretty responsibly. Can you? I don't. I don't trust that there is a responsible way to have groups of people together. Like this groups of 10 people or less being okay thing, I think it's hogwash. I don't subscribe to it. Uh, I'm definitely, I definitely think that any like classroom 30 people is a death trap. I don't trust it. Maybe a lab of like a few people with masks, but those masks are coming off. You're asking questions. People are sneezing. Nah, bruh. None of that. I think it's a uh, way too risky. Johnny? Uh, I, I, I'll just observe two things in myself. One, I get freaked out when I see people without masks, right? So I was someplace in a waiting room area, and it was a dentist waiter waiting room. It has clearly a sign. Everybody has to wear a mask. If you're inside, stay, you know, several seats apart from each other, all that good stuff. But there's a person waiting there on the phone talking with their mask off. Mm. I'm like, what's the whole point? Like, like leave the room, please. Like, you're not doing anything right now. Just leave, please. So, freaks me out. But at the same time, 
I am not trained well enough, apparently, because in the rare instances where I do interact with somebody, I find myself standing within, like, within six feet and then remembering, oh, crap, I need to step back here. You know, so people all around aren't really practicing it so strictly, I find. That six feet, I don't trust that either. I think uh, it's like a problem I have with this whole thing, and then maybe it's the way society works or whatever, is that they did some study, probably, and yada, 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 it was decided that six feet is the minimum distance apart for probably being safe. And I'm like, why did we go with the minimum number? If six feet is the minimum number, why didn't we all say stay seven feet away? You know, like, why go with the bare minimum as opposed to a little extra? You know, if six feet is good, seven feet is probably, obviously it's better. But no, it's like we're doing the the bare minimum on everything. And I'm like, nah, like, pandemic. Go a little harder. Be a little safer. But no. So I don't trust it. All right. But, uh, so as it stands now, we don't know how most schools are going to handle uh, the fall semester in person. Like, uh, the local college here, UCF, hasn't decided yet. I haven't heard about my alma mater. Um, and they're talking about bringing the NBA back. I don't know if you guys saw that. They were saying that the NBA might. In Orlando, too. Like, like, yeah, I think, I don't know if I heard it right, but I think that they were going to, like, sequester all the players, like, in Orlando and pl- yeah. just play the games for, like, a couple months on end or something like that. Which, I, I mean, they make millions of dollars, so I guess it's fine to inconvenience them like that. It's not like a prison, you know. You're probably in some resort. I don't know. I think it's wild, but. People want their, their basketball. Pay me a million dollars, I do it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, my my prediction. I think we're in this kind of mental mindset for another month. That's it, and then everything goes. Floodgates go wide open, and we're all going back to normal. So I give I another the, month. I think the floodgates are already. Well, not the flood. Yes, I agree. I, I think the floodgates are already open, but I think. I think the one thing that was kind of saving us from everybody just like checking out on being careful was that it was in the news. Yeah, all the time, and now it's and not. It's not the new, and people are acting like it's not a thing anymore. And I'm like, if anything, it's worse than it was, you know. So, I would, I, I caution our listeners to be extra careful and, and wear your masks and mm-hmm. cough into your elbow. Unless you're protesting, get you get out there, man. Those protests, I, I so am for the cause, and I just hope and pray that. A month from now, we don't see huge spikes in numbers yeah. in people who are out there. Because it's just like this. They're so densely propped, propped, propped together, and they're getting tear gassed. Yeah. And it's like, man, it's really effed up to be using a tear gas that makes people cough and cry and Fs up your lungs during a respiratory pr- pandemic. Like, chill out, y'all. Yeah, well, the, the, the humane thing to do would be lace the tear gas maybe with uh, hydrochloroquine, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disinfectant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like that. You know, like just. They should use those uh, those sunlight bombs like Blade has. <laughs> instead of instead of rubber bullets. Yeah, it's like a... and, and, and when you do, how freaked out would you be if uh, an actual couple of vampires like poofed in front of your face? Like oh. that would be wild, right? They just shot the UV thing, and then like you look to the guy next to you, like whoa! Wait, thought you were just a goth. All of a sudden, I thought you were Antifa, but no, you were, you were a vampire. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. So, uh, also, hey, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, uh, since we're in the midst of a global pandemic, it's probably not the best time for the United States to be leaving the World Health Organization. But I think we're going to do it anyway. So, uh, just another wild thing that's going on out there in the news. Um, and that makes China the uh, the leader in World Health Organization. I, it's it's so crazy how I, so much of the abdication of the United States as the global, the, the leader of the free world, the global leader, the, the, the beacon for free rights and, and democracy in America. I always thought that was such BS. Like when, when, uh, what's the name? Bush would say it in all these meetings and say, Oh, the United States, we're a shining city on the Hill. If, you know, we have to go out and, and, and advocate for these things or whatever, but then seeing the current administration totally not do it. I'm like, Oh, it makes sense for us. To, I mean, like it's kind of cocky, right? But I, the like the one good thing about the administration is that I kind of see the rationale behind those types of things. Where it's like if the United States doesn't step in and 
kind of set the tone for the world than China, who is uh, not the best actor, maybe not what we want to emulate, will kind of step in and assert their power and, and run things. I'm like, damn, you know, like, yes, he's got the money, yes. yeah, well, influence. Well, there you go. That's why now you understand a little more about Finlandia and why we. <laughs> Finlandia being the uh, figurative name for the country that would exist if Johnny were to have his uh, full reign over an imaginary country. Yes, uh-huh. yes. And that's why Finlandia would be all about uh, helping foreign aid and getting our business out there, you know, whether you like it or not, putting people in line when you're, uh, you know, so because there, there is always going to be a Don't leader. sound like that. Don't sell that whether you like it or not part. <laughs> Well, my point being, there's always going to be a leader, you know, in any vacuum, somebody's going to be the leader, right? So why not yeah. you? Or nobody, or even worse, nobody. No, no, no. See, that's a, that's yeah, somebody. No, exactly. It's always going to be somebody. It's not going to be nobody. Okay. Key example. Key example, right? This is the thing I, I thought about uh, maybe like three weeks ago is during coronavirus, the, the whole problem, it, it's a worldwide pandemic, but basically... Every country is fighting it on their own. But the World Health Organization, like we're defunding the freaking World Health Organization, and they're not really stepping in to coordinate anything worldwide, right? Imagine a different, more competent, more globalist president who was like, hey, this is a global problem. The United States is going to work with all the other major countries to fight this together, as opposed to not even fighting it as a country, just letting each individual governor fight each other for supplies. Right. We could have had the, the CDC of America, the CDC of China, mm-hmm. the CDC of, of uh, uh, Italy all working together. But, like, that didn't happen. And, and like, and I think that if America had stepped in and been like, we're going to fight this together, yeah. it could have been a, a global thing and maybe the numbers wouldn't be so crazy. Yeah, yeah it's all agreed. But my point being, we see it now because of what Trump's doing. So I'm glad we're kind of seeing that. But l- let's always remember that's why we need a leader, and that's why it should be the United States. There's a there's a, a saying, and I, and I don't know if this applies to the whole entire situation, but um, I think it's attributed to Napoleon, right? And so he rose to power, right, because of he was a competent general in the midst of the French Revolution, right? Near early Revolution. Yeah, Revolution. And he's attributed with saying, chaos is a ladder, right? No, I think that was another guy. Go on, though. Another guy? Another guy? Oh, well, Littlefinger. <laughs> Littlefinger? Well, uh, you know, and that's why I say, like, I'm, I'm still waiting on who is going to be, like, someone is going to start showing themselves to be kind of like a leader-type person coming out of all this chaos. And that's what I'm kind of waiting to see. Well, it was, hopefully it's a, well I think it was uh, Cuomo for a while there, right? He, he was... He was taking the leadership roles, like it or not. He was taking the leadership role for a while there. Yep. They tried. They tried to make him a thing, and like some of my fans, friends, and family were like, "Oh, that Cuomo guy is so great." I'm like, "You like him more than Trump. You don't like him. If you really knew what he was doing to New York, you would not like him. You just see him on TV yeah. being better than Trump, and like I, being I, better than Trump is a low bar." <laughs> I, I'm not making any judgment calls on good or bad. I'm just saying somebody steps into this leadership spot when a, when a vacuum occurs. Somebody steps into it. So now that well, the, no. now that the United States is vacating the funding from the WHO, China is going to step in. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like in in a vacuum, somebody's going to step in. So why not you do it? Why not the United States? It's a conspiracy theory I have, and I tried to look into it, and it's not impossible, but very unlikely. But I think part of the reason why. Uh, America was so quick to or so adamant about opening the economy back up was that they didn't we did the country the powers that be did not want the headline to ever be shown that China's econ quote China's economy overtakes America's as the, the biggest in the world and and then so like China was opening back up they're doing whatever so like if in a scenario where they handled their their plague really well and opened back up and we handled ours terribly so they are doing okay and we tank if, it, if they did great and we did horrible, they could overtake us because we're pretty far ahead of them, but not impossibly. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of the reason of why that we, we wanted to avoid that because that would make us look bad on the world stage. Yeah. And it didn't happen, so I wanted. All right, next topic. Uh, shout out to SpaceX, the uh, private space company, for launching 
American astronauts to the International Space Station, bringing uh, an American capability to launch astronauts back for the first time in 10 years, something like that? Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. So I think that that's great. Everything worked like a charm, best I can tell. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. I couldn't tell. Do they? Did uh, So like when you launch astronauts to the space station, others come back. Did, did, are those guys coming back on the SpaceX capsule or are they coming back on the Russian capsule, you know? I'm not so sure about this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be a test flight, so I think those two guys might be coming back down, but I'm not so sure. But Oh really? But I thought kinda, they, no, I think they're gonna staff the space station. Maybe so. I don't know. But but like you're saying, it's fantastic. It's a lot of national pride. And I was a little surprised how much headlines it made. And talking to a friend of mine on the other side of the world, you know, it's kinda interesting how again, going back to the previous topic, maybe how America leads, the United States leads so many things. It was like people around the world are noticing how SpaceX, an American innovative company, launched, you know, people off off of Earth again. But they're also noticing, obviously, the protest. They're noticing all the things we do. And I, and I always find it so interesting how headlines and issues that I think affect primarily or only the United States resonate and gets picked up so much in other countries and it's just because that's how much of a superpower we are things that happen here will affect those other countries one way or another and that's why they pay attention to our news so so much so yeah like you know me and you johnny you know not to toot our own horns but we're world travelers and i think i noticed the last time we were you know overseas when people would find out we were americans like they knew more, they knew more than a dumb American yeah. did about American politics. Yeah, and like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what the president of, of uh, Dude. Europe is. Dude, <laughs> I, I, I was actually you're mad at Trump. <laughs> I, I was actually out of the country when uh, the election happened and Trump was elected that oh, night. Really lucky in, you <laughs> in November, right? So I was in Tibet on a tour group. So like whoever, let's say like fifteen other people in this group, right? Somebody had access to uh, internet, found out who won the election. In my mind, I'm thinking Hillary, by a landslide, is going to win this thing. That's what all the news was, was saying. Mm-hmm. So the person said, Trump won. And I'm like, ah, oh, real funny. He's like, no, no, Trump really won. And it almost happened immediately where like, I felt like almost ashamed. Not just because I knew what that would mean, but also... Because the how they made me felt like all the other people in the tour group just kind of looked at me and was like, <laughs> "What is wrong with you, Americans?" <laughs> you know, they realized what a mistake it was back then, and they also knew that it would impact them somehow in one way or another. So I was like, "Wow, that's yeah, that's deep." Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. America on the world stage makes a big difference. All right, so uh, another amazing news segment, guys. Thanks for for chatting about the what's going on in the world. And, uh, and that's the high tech news. For all of us here at News Center 4, I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Hunto Show. I'm Bo. I'm Lance. I'm Johnny. And this is our world famous pop culture segment where we talk about the latest trends in multimedia and regular media. <laughs> and we get to hear from uh, perspectives of Johnny and Lance. I know Johnny likes to watch a lot of things on Netflix. Anything new? Oh man, so many things new, and and not just Netflix either. But l- let me just do a quick rundown as best I can. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shotgun it. I'm gonna try to give some insightful thoughts on each one of these things too, real time, off the cuff, and I'm horrible at this. So here we go. Okay. The half of it on Netflix. It's a fantastic, feel-good, adorable movie with this diverse cast. And if that didn't get you, I don't know what will. Okay, that, that wasn't the best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've been hearing good things about that one, so it's on my list. I just, uh, yeah. for some reason, whenever I mention it to the, uh, to the old girlfriend, she's, she doesn't go for it. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. You yeah. hate watching anything else. <laughs> I'll mention I watched Bad Education with Hugh Jackman. Thoroughly entertaining. I watched that education too. Yeah, what did you think? I liked it a lot. It was a obviously fantastically acted because it's got Hugh Jackman in it. Um, and yeah, it's just 
again, wild, the lives people live. Because this, this movie is based on a true story. And the stuff that people do for money or their eccentric personalities, just all kinds of crazy people out there sometimes. Uh, well, so, like, what's the, the gist of the story? So, it's a movie on HBO, if I'm not mistaken, and also available on HBO Max. See your local cable provider. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the gist of the story, Johnny? It's the uh, biggest uh, crime in an education school system where they basically stole from the um, – yeah, the the education fund basically for Miss. So I think it's like like a New York area school superintendent and and a couple of his cronies have a huge scandal involving finances in the schools and uh, it's wild. It is wild, and there's also like a bunch of mini scandals unrelated to the money. Yeah. And everybody was wild and lying. And uh, Hugh Jackman did yeah. act up act, act really well. And that lady, whoever her name is, she looks like there's like three of her in Hollywood, and yeah. I get them all mixed up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but she was also really good too. Uh, yeah, so I, I'd, rec- I'd recommend. I mean, if you think if you look at it and you think you would watch it, it's it's a good version of whatever you think it is. If you look at it and it looks boring, then don't watch it because it's it's as it's, it won't interest you more than you think it will. I uh, finally caught up with the incredible Jessica James on Netflix. Ooh, that's a fa- fantastic movie. Fantastic. Uh, wow. Yeah, very humorous. Uh, Interesting casting and just the dialogue is very sharp and witty, which is a little different, you know, not your boring rom-com, predictable type stuff. So I thought that was uh, very fun to watch. Uh, um, I'm a big fan of that actress. Uh, mm-hmm. She kind of went away a little bit, but I, I kind of had a little crush on her and I thought she was... Uh, yeah, she's great. She's on Insecure. Uh, HBO's Insecure. Oh, she's not. The main actress? Yeah, that's uh, her. No, for, for, for sure she's not, no. That's not it? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> no. That's funny, though. <laughs> I watch oh, it and I know black people. <laughs> wait, I'm thinking Lovebirds. I'm thinking Lovebirds. Is uh, that the run? The lady from Lovebirds is the lady from Insecure. Yes, that's what I'm thinking about. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. Jessica Williams, I think she's like 6'1". Yeah, because I also watched Lovebirds, which I don't know about that one. That one has, uh, what's the guy's name? The guy's going to be in the Marvel movie. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Thank you. Uh, movie was all right. It was a little predictable, I thought, and a little bit too over the top just to make the plot interesting. They're trying too hard, maybe, I, I would say. So, But again, it's Netflix, so what do you got to lose, kind of? And it's a good comedy movie, too, so. Yeah, so Lovebirds, I, uh, I'm i a big Issa Rae fan, and I like Kumail Nanjiani good enough. And he's been tweeting some woke stuff lately, so I support him and everything he did. So with the knowledge that I like Issa Rae and that Kumail Nanjiani being woke, I now like him too. This movie was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, that said, I don't think it was as crisp. The writing was as crisp as I would like it to be. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't hilarious. Uh, like I would like a, it was no it was not bridesmaids it was not um uh I guess bridesmaids but you know if you like those two guys it was it was fine it's definitely worth your time on Netflix you know and uh and if they made ten more of them I would watch all ten because uh you woke on Twitter and that's all you need to get my my love buddy <laughs> <laughs> so I'll end my uh, things with two more movies I I saw a horrible movie. Which I'll, my warning for you all listeners to just go ahead and avoid Bloodshot with Vin Diesel. Nope, it's on my list. I, I'm watching it. Also, why would you do that though? You know, you know damn well you work on like that movie. <laughs> I I have a reason why. Yeah, what was that? It's based on a comic book by the publisher <laughs> uh, Valiant. I used to collect Valiant comics, so they produced uh, Bloodshot, Exo Manowar, Turek, the Dinosaur Hunter. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm a fan of the Valiant comic books, and I wanted to give this movie a shot. And too bad, shot. yeah, it uh, it was bloody, all right? I remember uh, you liking Exo Man of War, so that's yeah. right. And the last movie, right. it's uh, very timely for this time as well. Um, I watched I Am Not Your Negro, and uh, didn't really know much about it going in, but I learned a lot coming out of that, as you would expect. Um, James Baldwin, big fan now. Uh, didn't realize how big of a um, philosophizer and how big of an influence he had back during the civil rights days, just like MLK and Malcolm X, and just listening to him, to him talk is like, man, that's what I want to sound like. I want to be that level of art, uh, articulate. 
Hey, okay, so uh, I love James Baldwin, and I like that movie a lot. So uh, a small, small takeaway from that is that uh, James Baldwin was considered what I, a thing I had never really heard of for real. He was a public intellectual, and I like that term a lot. So now I, it's in my all my bios now that I consider myself a public intellectual. <laughs> so if you need to talk about, you know, things of the day or whatever, mm-hmm. I am a, a commenter on all things going on. You Much mean, like James Baldwin. You know, him, me, saying. <laughs> Maybe publish 10 books, you know, get nominated, a couple, get nominated a couple of times for some writing prizes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, I have a couple things I've completed. Uh, video game-wise, uh, I am a huge fan of Final Fantasy VII, the original from PlayStation 1. So when Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS4 came out, I was there day one. Luckily for me, I can't leave the house anymore because the, uh, the air is lava outside. So I had <laughs> a lot of free time to just say, I think I sunk 50 hours into Final Fantasy VII. And it came out maybe a month ago, if that. Nice. And yeah, I love it. So I beat it already. Uh, great game. I haven't played any other Final Fantasies besides Seven, so I don't know what they're like or whatever, but uh, this one was great. It uh, met all my nostalgia needs, and I'm going through now. I might go back and play it. So so after you beat the game, you can play it on hard mode and then the enemies are harder and then you get more prizes or whatever. But I'm like, do I really want to just play the whole game again? I feel like that's kind of a waste of time. But as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm going to play it again. So there's that. <laughs> I also, um, oh, I watched that uh, remake of Little Women. Oh. So like during oscar season there was all this talk that you know the director of little women greta gerwig got snubbed for an oscar for best director and i was like yeah the women need to get their voices heard same way i feel about you know uh when uh martin luther king didn't get his uh nomination for for whatever that movie was called um selma for selma i was like nah man you should have he should have won that and then i saw the movie that won i was like oh that guy really did act really good but i won't say it out loud so uh, i watched little women i had just read the book because I heard the movie was so good. So I watched the movie because I was like, you know, let's see what this hype's about. Because I don't, I read the book in school, thought it was stupid. I read the book a, min- a month ago, thought it wasn't that interesting. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie everybody talked about in the movie. We, uh, so me and my girl, we, we watched it and we turned it off. It was so boring. What? We couldn't even get through it. No it was, way, no way, no it way. Was just, polar, it well, polar opposite. Oh, you, you, you saw it? You saw I, it? It was fantastic. Fantastic. No, fantastic. there's no way. No, bad, bad. Awesome. So I watched it. I finished it solo. And I think the ending, I think the ending, the last 10 minutes is what they were saying she deserves an Oscar for. But the the, pre, the preceding two no. hours, nope. war fest. Nope. Uh, totally against you on that one. I mean, and I'm not a big fan either of that Emily Dickinson, Jane Austen type movie or era at all. I only watched it the same reason you do because... I heard so many good things about it, the director, the acting, and so forth. And I, I thought it lived up to it because if I normally don't like movies like that and I was like into a movie like this, they made the words and the dialogue relatable. They made the situations relevant to today. I thought it was fantastic. Good stuff That's on funny. that. Go check it out. Okay, so so since we're on it, um, uh, Hermione, Emily Watson. Watson. Is she a good actress? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I like her. Mm. Like I'm going back and watching the Harry Potter. I don't. Dude, she's fine. Man, I don't dislike on, her. On, man, I don't think she's a good actress. We only have a couple of listeners to the Hunter Show. Man, you're turning <laughs> them all off right now, man. Come on, man. I like the Harry Potter movies. I like the Harry Potter books. I like her as a person. I don't think she's a good actress. All right, don't unsubscribe, please. Don't unsubscribe. <laughs> well, maybe she's uh, what? Who is the girl that's in the Twilight series? What was her name? Kristen Stewart. Yeah, maybe she is like Kristen Stewart, where you know she's she's good in the in certain roles. You know, I think they are equally good actresses. Yeah, I would probably put them in the same. Oh, there you go, Bo. All right, and uh, my last thing that I have. Oh, I watched uh, Lucy in the Sky. Have you guys uh, seen this one? I think it's on HBO too. Is it? Is it on is HBO? It? Uh, I don't know. I, w- I watched it at my uh, girl's house, and she has a few subscriptions. I don't. Oh, okay. Right. I'll be curious where that's from. But how was how it? It was good. So I don't know I, the experience I had. I didn't realize what the story was until about three quarters of the 
way into it. And I was like, wait, is this that story about that thing that happened? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say exactly what happened in case anybody wants to watch it. But um, if you see the previews for Lucy in the Sky featuring um, your girl, Johnny, what's her name? Uh, Natalie Portman. Uh, Natalie Portman. Uh, as a NASA astronaut uh, who goes into space and then has uh, issues coping with life when she comes back. I, I, you know, I have an interest in space and I thought the movie itself was uh, was very interesting. <laughs> well, it well acted. That one had good acting. I don't think you're spoiling anything, by the way, because it, that was national headline news back in the day. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happened in Orlando. But the thing was, though, right, I got a real kick out of it because I, I knew that that thing happened, but I didn't know that this was a story about that thing until way too deep in the movie. <laughs> and so, like, it made the movie that much more interesting because I was like, wait a minute, is this the thing? So, like, I'm trying to maybe give that experience to the listener, but, like, if you watch the preview and you're smarter yeah. than me, you'll remember that. What happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, that's all for me. All right. All right. Uh, so I guess for me, I, I haven't really done too much. I've been going down the YouTube holes, so uh. watching some of that. Um, but uh, the movies I've seen, and so I saw. Oh, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Bo needs to pay his Wi-Fi bill. <laughs> Way to go, Zoom. All right, so while, while we wait on Bo to come back, uh j- so, Johnny, uh, you're familiar with the anime One Punch Man, right? Yeah, it's all the season. Did you watch it? I saw the first season. Did season two ever get released? Yeah, season two's out. Season oh. three is out, too, but it's way worse than either of the other two. Mm. So it ends in a weird place, but it's still good. So the creator of One Punch Man, the anime, the manga writer, one, he has another series called Mob Psycho 100 about a uh, very powerful telepath and psychic, a middle school boy who's a very powerful telepath and psychic. And um, I'm like, well, I love One Punch Man, so I'll watch yeah. Mob Psycho 100. And I tried watching it a while back, and it was I didn't I couldn't get into it. But I started watching it again recently, and it's great. So like, if and it's the good parts of it is like it's stupid and funny and like goofy, like One Punch Man is. But also the action scenes are super duper well done and like way way over the top, like One Punch Man is too. So like, if you like the uh, the vibe of One Punch Man you'll like the vibe of Mob Psycho 100, so I recommend that as well. It's like on anime services or whatever. Yeah. All right, so uh, you got anything else, Bo? No? Johnny, <laughs> you got anything else? <laughs> uh, just one more thing. I just put it out there. Uh, for the month of June, the movie Just Mercy is available yeah, yeah. to stream for free on multiple platforms. Any, any every platform that Warner Brothers is making out there because you know the protest is going on. We should learn more about what's going on out there and uh, just to get more insight all around, you know. So you can't go wrong with Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, based on a true story. So go check out Just Mercy. I've got a virtual viewing party going on this Friday night to uh, watch it myself. So report back to us. Oh, is that what that was about? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So you may or may not know that the uh, the featured character in, or person in that movie, uh, Brian Stevenson, he is uh, one of my personal heroes. Uh, I saw him speak uh, last year at a dedication to a, um, a lynching memorial in Orlando uh, last year. And I've been to the uh, his museum in Montgomery, Alabama. It was very moving, and I support everything he does. And uh, that guy is a source for good in the world. And so, uh, yeah, I will see you Friday. Sounds good. Uh, Bo, you got anything else you want to bring up for, uh, for the segment? Oh, uh, yes. Sorry about that. Uh, I guess my internet is... Uh... Skippy there. Um, so I, I was going to talk about Robot Carnival. The beginning of it kind of reminds me of... I'm sorry, what? Robot <laughs> Carnival. I love it already. What is it? Um, well, so the, it's it's a, it's a bunch of short animes kind of stitched together. Um, does it have robot clowns? It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, you had to go and ruin it. it from- but uh, the, the very beginning of it is... Do you remember there's there's a movie that Peter Jackson directed where it was like London was a city that was kind of on wheels. It was um, well, the Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. Engines, yeah, Mortal Engines, right? And the very beginning of Robot Carnival is essentially a giant city on wheels crushing this small city, you know. And then they come into the city, and then you know, on the front of it just says Robot Carnival. And it's, it, it's uh, go on. Yeah, so it's it's a that's a I thought that was one of the more interesting things I saw for the movie. Um, Why would you? Okay, so Robot Carnival. I looked it up. I had never heard of it. It is an old anime from 1991. Bo, how I did this? Old, man. <laughs> I've seen one of them 
from uh, 1987, and I'm seeing yeah, okay. one from It came to the USA in 91. Okay. How did this even come to your... I started, so I started watching um, early 80s, like, crappy fantasy movies, uh, kind of like um, after, so there was, the, what the I think they used to do was, like, after a big hit, there'd be all these kind of follow-on kind of uh, similar movies, like, when Alien came out, there was a movie that I watched um, that was kind of similar called Forbidden Planet, mm. and it was, this, it was, this is... It was relatively entertaining, a lot of nudity, but it was, um, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, it was just this, just this, you know, kind of crazy movie. And so then I started getting these other recommendations, you know, uh, and so these old animes from the eighties kind of start popping up. Uh, Netflix or no? Amazon Prime. So they're all Amazon. It was all Amazon Prime. So. Okay, cool. And so I kind of went and I watched a couple of those movies, um, and then I, uh, so to, so then I started kind of back in that era of, of movies and I started watching, there's another movie I watched called Discreet Charm of the Bourgeois, I think it's how you said, and it's a French film from like 1972. And it's kind of one of like the, the weirdest films, like a, a really strange premise, uh, uh, to a film. It's pretty good. I, I, I probably recommend it, to, if you like kind of off a little bit off movies and all it is is about a group of people who are trying to have a dinner party and just can't have a dinner and just can't eat. And they have all these different distractions that kind of come about. Um, is that one also real old? A 72? Yes, the answer is just... <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's a pretty good movie. Um, and lately I've been watching... Uh, I, the last stuff I've been watching, I watched all of uh, Avatar Last Airbender, which nice. is... Yeah, which is... Probably one of the best, like, if I were to say, like, an anime anime, kind of, like, just more generic, it's probably the best one of those. And it was, and it's an American show, which it was directed by and written by Americans, right? And it's kind of made to look like it was made over, I guess, in Japan or something like that. And, uh, I mean, it's it's wildly entertaining. And uh, the, so now I'm onto the Korra thing, which is the Legend of Korra, which is the whole of them. Nice. And when I'm watching that, it's like Cowboy Bebop is like, you can see the influence of Cowboy Bebop all over Legend of Korra. Nice. And that's not a bad thing. It's it's a good thing. So Cowboy Bebop, a uh, famous anime. I, actually, I just watched the Cowboy Bebop movie in between episodes too, and uh, still holds up, still great. Yeah, yeah. There's, and, there's, and then I started kind of thinking um, like other good animes out there like Akira and stuff like that. Oh, so gross, but great. Uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, live action coming to Netflix too, so look out for that. Uh, yeah, I know, right? But I gotta, I gotta watch it. What are you gonna do? Not watch it? Yeah, <laughs> just you're just gonna watch just to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So uh, with that, I think that is another excellent episode of the Junto Show. We're back, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope that you are safe. It's a five star review in the Apple uh, iTunes or Apple Podcast app. Um, you can also go to our website, juntoshow.com, leave a comment, hit us up on social media. You can also uh, hit us up on patreon.com slash juntoshow. And until next time, uh, we appreciate you listening, and we uh, hope you and your family stay safe. Signing off, I'm Lance. I'm Johnny. I'm, and I'm Bo. <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode. Peace out.